survive. <laughs> like you sort of, right? In the modern age. And your first and last name, Sabrina Audi, like the automobile? Yes, Sabrina Audi. But we spell it with a W instead of a U. So yeah. Interesting. And who's we? Like uh where where are you from? from My family, yeah. My family particularly, we decided to split the W. Oh, you yeah. wanted to be different from the automobile. I had lots of uh, people with the same family name, like in Arabic, but they decided to go for the U as well, or the OU for Audi, but we just went with the W. I don't know why, but that's how I was basically born with this is how we born it. Yeah. Okay, so you're, so you're Arabic, so how often, and is it annoying that you, you get called Latina? Like, how often does that happen? Are you referred to as Latina? It happens really often. A lot of people are yeah. Came to America back in 2016. I came to uh, study here in university. Uh, I was born here, but I lived most of my life in Lebanon. And uh, I'm not most of it, like a big majority of it in Lebanon, but it was the longest period of time. And there was a, also about six years when I was a kid, I lived in Romania. So um, I came back at 19 and I came to study here. and. I would go on Ubers a lot because I didn't have a driver's license yet at first. And um, yeah, a lot of the, the the Uber drivers thought I was Latina. They, would, would they talk to you in Spanish? Would they say like, hola, come in Spanish, but they would ask me and I would be like, no, I'm not. Even like some Arab guys tell me, you, do, you don't even look Arab. Like you kind of look, you don't even like, you could look kind of white and you could look kind of latino so but what's a distinctive feature like what what would be arabic as as opposed to latina as a like arabic uh-huh. arabic arabic is the language okay uh arab, so arab. Okay. yeah arab or Western. um so uh sorry what was your question like what would be something that like they would think gives it away and that you don't give it away like is it like facial structure, nose structure, cheekbone? Is it something like that? Um, I don't think anything really gives it away. I just call them an arrow. Like, because uh, my English is also really good. So a lot of times, even in my own country, like uh, they don't think that I lived in Lebanon all my life because of the way I talk in English. Like they think my English is really good. And I might speak like an American because of the time I've lived here, like I have the accent. Um, so, yeah, I don't think anything in particular really gives it away. I think it's just if I put a flag that I'm Lebanese or um, if I talk about Lebanon, if I speak in Arabic or if I have a little bit of an accent, then maybe the mode is not 100% like from here or from there or. And do you, yeah. do you like, where, where, where you live at, do you run into a lot of like Arabic people or Arab, Arab people rather? Sorry. Um, right now where I am, there are Arabs, yes. There are, uh, I think there's Arabs spread everywhere, like all across the globe, everywhere I went. I, I, I heard somebody walking on the streets talking in Arabic on the phone. Or they have a Lebanese accent, like I can tell they're Lebanese, I can tell they're not Lebanese, uh, because their accent is different. Like, they also have different accents 
for different countries in the Middle East and in uh, North Africa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so th- there's uh, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of Arabs spread everywhere. I went to Canada once, I just saw uh, some Lebanese people like taking pictures um, at Niagara Falls. But, but, but what, I, what told you they were Lebanese? Like their accent? Like Arabic, and their Arabic is the same as the ours. Like the the slang language we speak in okay. Lebanese. Okay. Okay. Have a particular way of speaking. It's not exactly the written way. Uh, the traditional. I don't know how to say it in English. The certain way that is written. Uh, the written Arabic. That's the, it's like textbook Arabic. And that's the, the one that they teach you in school. It's called Sultan Arabic. It's the, Fasah. I don't know if folk, Fasah. Fasah. No. Oh, just Okay. Thanks for being charitable. No. <laughs> no. There, we have some letters that are hard for, non-arabs to say like ha uh yeah it, it's like the the tongue right it's like because for spanish plus we have to it's rolling the r that's what people who are yeah, like, it's like, yeah it's like from your vocal cords and mm-hmm. and your tongue i guess at the same time and we have like instead of like what instead of saying ali like ali is a very arabic yeah ali, ali was like um wasn't he like the cousin of muhammad or nephew? I think he was, uh, he was the son of a prophet. No, yeah. no, he was a prophet. Yeah, because that's where the divide comes from. Not to get into that. He was, no, he was the son of a prophet. Yeah, but, because yeah. that's where the, the divide comes from, right? Not to get into all of that, but like Sunni and Shia. That's like yeah. a divide, you know, about who has liberty, who has the right to the claim and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing as well. Um, but going back to like Ali, we don't say Ali, we say Ali, like we say Ah. Ah, Ali. Ah, like we, it's like end of throat, like Ah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So, so, so you said you were, you were born and raised in Lebanon and then you came to the States in Asia? No, I was, I was born in America. Okay. Uh, but I'm originally Lebanese because of my parents are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, my bloodline is 100% Lebanese, or at least 90. I don't, I've never done the past before. Mm-hmm. But, but, but uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've lived in a lot of different countries. I've been, I've been in a lot of different places uh, here. Uh, here. I was born in New Jersey. Uh, we lived in uh, we lived in Detroit, in Michigan for a while because mm-hmm. we're all, we're all the Lebanese really only are the Arab Arab like it's like it's a Lebanese community. A big big one. Yeah, isn't isn't um I mean not to get political unless you want to, but isn't uh Biden? I, I hear that he's definitely gonna lose Michigan because of what's going on right now with, uh, with Gaza and Israel. Like I hear there's a big movement there. I mean I guess there's a big Muslim population in Michigan. And there's really been the Lebanese population, and yeah, especially in Europe and Detroit. It's like people, 
I haven't, haven't been there since I was like seven, literally. But uh, I hear that the if you just walk the streets there and you see like there are floors, like Restaurant, you know, supermarket, you can get all the money. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's an Arab community. It's like, mm-hmm. they have taken over the city yeah. of Dearborn. Yeah. Detroit. I can imagine. It's like me being Mexican, and I went to LA recently. And when I was in LA, I felt like, well, this is Mexico. This is like little Mexico. And before it was just East LA, and now it's also South Central LA, which is most of my family resides in South Central. So it's like all of this is now pretty much little Mexico, which is, I mean, it makes me feel good because, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm comfortable there. When I went to L.A., I felt like I was kind of in Mexico. Obviously, I was still in the States. You know, it wasn't Mexico, Mexico, but I still felt very, very much at home. Like, do you feel that, too? Like, when you're around, like, you know, I said, I know you didn't say I've been to Detroit in the longest, but where you are now, do you try to, like, keep those connections with, like, um people, like, Lebanese people? Um... It depends because, like, not all Lebanese people are people you should hang around with. It's just like with anyone, yeah, because they're from the same country as you are. It doesn't yeah. mean that they're all your. Friends. Okay, of course. So, of course. It depends, like you have to like see who's worth being around. Yeah, like the vibe yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of things because there there can be also be within your own community a lot of drama and mm-hmm. like as if. As if they were still in the same society before, but they just like relocated and took their took everything with them, even like their old mentalities. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are more progressive and they've adapted to like where they live. So it really depends. Yeah, it's like it's like that old antiquated way of thinking, and they can't disconnect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it depends, or they're like way too open and way too like americanized and it doesn't it just feels that they're proud to be from where they're from but they're nothing like that or they have no idea what the actual like experiences of the people that their own people are really like because they're way more privileged than them Mm. so you want to like find that balance of (laughs) course of course you want to you want to be you want to be prideful of where you come from at the same time if there's something that you can evolve obviously evolve from it like obviously being from a mexican household um sexism it's a real thing the 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 patriarchy like the way like the man like i remember i had a partner one time and i was like a teenager and um i remember i was on the phone with her and i don't know where she's like okay i gotta go my dad just got here like like just hang on don't hang up whatever and then she comes back and i'm like everything good like what's up and she's like yeah i just had to go serve him because if i don't serve him he doesn't eat and like the food is prepared and he sits at the table with his arms crossed. And if no one serves him, he doesn't eat. And I was just, like, yeah, that was just so crazy to me. It's like, bro, the food's already there. It's made for you to serve yourself, you know, get your tortillas and eat. But no, he's like a child and a man child. And if she didn't go serve him, he would be angry about it. And he would pout about it and, you know, lash out about it later. And that's just, to me, that just blew my mind. But that's a good thing that is blowing my mind because I've shown that as a generation now in America, Mexican-American, we're looking at stuff like that, at least for the most part, I think. I think a lot of people I, I associate with would have a similar reaction, like, well, just serve yourself. Like, what's the big deal there? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I know what you mean. I've witnessed that a lot. Like, it's, uh, it's, on one hand, they want women to be more progressive, 
Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we don't want them to be too progressive that it like it doesn't serve them the way that they want to. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Do you feel any pressure as like a professional, like uh, being a woman from that culture, or whatever? Is there any kind of like antiquated pressure towards you as far as like why are you so ambitious as a professional like should you just be a housewife because like in mexican culture that that also can be an obstacle like i have a friend who she accomplished so much and she has a career going and her mom the only thing that matters to her mom is why aren't you married yet why don't you have kids yet i want grandchildren it's just succeeding she is succeeding in her field like she's going beyond and and the mom is just like yeah but your sister who um barely finished high school she gave me three grandchildren so i kind of like you know it's kind of like and then it ends up being a paradox because the more the mom kind of gets off that energy the more this friend wants to succeed and, and show her wrong and prove it to her and win her love and it's like that's not that's not ideal either yeah yeah i've definitely been like i've heard both sides I've heard there's a lot of people that have told me, like, uh, I was, like, I think 18 or 19 when the first time I somebody asked me, when do you want to get married? And I'm like, well, my dad told me, like, I shouldn't get married until, like, after I finish college. And, like, maybe I'll get engaged with something like 26. And the person reacted to me, like, what? You would probably be too old for them. 26 years old? Wow. <laughs> I was just shocked. I was just so shocked and insulted. Because I have the same question, like, what? Yeah, I'm 32 and I'm nowhere near being married. Yeah, but there's still people that have this backwards way of thinking. Like, but, but then again, that person would say, I'm a guy, so it's different for me. Well, the person that said that to me, ironically, was not a guy. Yeah, but, but like, that's what I mean. Like, it's also women that do it to themselves too. Like they they put more pressure on themselves to be a, a housewife or be married, whereas a guy can do everything in his own personal business. And then later on, when he's like in his mid thirties, it's still not too late. But for a woman, twenty five, twenty six, it's too late. Like, what the fuck? You kind of excuse my language, but that 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 that's the stuff that I see. I see a lot of parallels there with um you know um, Arab and uh, Hispanic culture. It, it's it's a lot it's like it's a culture of obviously hard work and, and hard values but also it's like a lot of tough love and sometimes lack of love if anything i don't really know what it is i feel like it's a lot of brainwashing a lot of people are dissatisfied with their own lives and they just like have been indoctrinated with this idea of your society work is and they had to adopt it in their own lives and they had like the outcome of it so they decided they should on others as well yeah. like the same people say that stuff to others are miserable in their own lives and they did not get the outcome they want mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah, now it's put on you. The pressure's put on you. Like the 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 parallels I see also, um, like we see it with um with sports dads or sports moms who put pressure on their child to do the same sport because they couldn't make it, and now the child has yeah. to make it. You know, you gotta make it. Their dreams through yep. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's some like basic. Uh huh. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was I was I was just saying like so so a little bit of background on that. But um, getting to the, the like what what got my attention when I came across like 
the the brand designing right brand designer so like yeah if we're if we're if we're in line getting coffees right and you always have those single servant interactions with humans that i would imagine like if someone says hey what do you do by the way like what do you say to them do you just like what's the watered down like answer to a single servant interaction like i'm just a brand designer i'm a designer i'm a you know what what's your response to that um, most times I would say I'm a brand designer, but then I'd have to kind of explain a little bit what that is because they're used to the term graphic designer. So I would tell them I literally work on brands, I do branding. Because they, they do ask me, is it like logo and stuff like that? Like, yeah, but it's a bit more than logos. They're actually, there's research behind what I do. There's strategy, there's brand strategy. Yep. I put thought into the design that I'm doing. To actually help the business one way or the other uh, stand out, and I mean it's it's kind of overused. I think in the design world, that's my job is to make you stand out. But that's what it is. It is to make you stand out. It is to make you um, people. Let's say they, I don't know. They go. Let's talk about book design. They go to the bookshop. They go to Barnes and Nobles or any bookshop. They want to go and pick a book. They, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but like we all judge a book, judge a book yeah. by its cover. Yeah, it's all of course. The cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We look at the cover first, and we see if we like the cover, and then we pick up the book and we read at the back what it's about. Because like the cover is what catches our interest first. Yep. So it's kind of the same with uh, branding. Like the logo, it's something that's kind of like. It's supposed to represent the brand and what the brand stands for, and with the messaging of the brand, that logo kind of stays in the consciousness of the consumer or the user. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, one thing about your Instagram page that I that I that I unnoticed and I appreciated was um, the fact that you explain that a brand isn't just a logo. A brand is like the reputation of the company, essentially. You know, it's like it's it's, yeah. it's more than just a freaking logo. And also another thing that you obviously take passion in your work because it's i mean you have to be diligent it's something you have to put a lot of work into but the fact that one of your posts i don't know if it was pinned or maybe it's in your latest post were saying that are we a match for each other it wasn't give me your money it wasn't hire me it was are we a match for each other like let's figure out are we a match yeah. if we're a match well, we can work together and if we're not we're just not you know so that's something that to me kind of stood out because oftentimes people are just like this is my work hire me you know let's do it click click but you were like wait let's slow down and see if we're a match because it is a it is a relationship it is you know a business relationship yeah because it's the brand it's something where they have to trust you and they have to have that that they can have that that, that direction with you and also have that trust that you know where they want to go that you understand each other mm -hmm. as far as like what the brand and by extension the logo is of the company or what they want to inflict on people when the people see their brand or come across their logo like what 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 they want to inspire in people yeah yeah exactly yeah there's a lot that goes into it there's a lot of psychology behind as well that's yep. Yep. not really i guess studied that much but it's there like there's a lot there if we're gonna unpack it but yeah no yeah yeah i'm 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 an unpacker like I, i'm a rambler so so that being so, like the psychology of it, I remember when I was younger, um, I would read about um, how like certain football teams would paint the colors of the opposing locker room team a certain color, 
that likes and and they would go into halftime and then come out of halftime the opposing team like a little more a little more relaxed like basic not really focused not really like you know aggressive and is that something you kind of like do you do you then credence to that as far as like colors affecting mood like lighter colors like pastels or something like that colors are very big mm -hmm. branding they all in all design in general because colors affect our moods they uh, affect the way we perceive things like red could mean so many different things for me red is like or just generally speaking when people looks at someone looks at the color red they see somebody bold if they're wearing red passion love hate it's a very strong feeling associated with the color or like blue is like more calm serene it's more cool royal it's the color I, yeah yeah i think like royalty when i see like blue like i don't know i think like royal like i like it kind of i don't know yeah the, uh, the color purple also expresses mm. royalty it expresses yes purple. yes yes color kingdom king and queen um mystery i guess mischievousness uh the color of black is also mystery it's like uh, ominous like yeah. it could be good it's bad so we're saying about me that like i i create a podcast and it's just black like it's a black everything like the cover art the logo uh, so like black and white are very neutral colors yeah they go with everything they don't have to mean anything specific. Generally, if the depending on the way it's designed, it could mean elegance, minimalism. Uh, if it's used in a way like trying to depict something more edgy or scary, like it goes more to the obvious style. So it really depends on what you're using, like the basic colors for. Um, like like neutrals are usually like, like base colors. They're they're supposed to be more simple more minimalistic and neutrals would be like what uh white black gray white black beige uh like pants like mm -hmm. light beige beige those are usually neutral yeah mm. so so when a person yeah. comes uh -huh. so when a person comes to you do you ask them what's your favorite color or do you kind of like go through the process of like what do you want your brand to represent? Like what do you want? What do you want the person to feel when they think about your brand? Like, did, yeah. like for example, red. Do you want to like have some kind of passion, some kind of spiciness to I don't know the logo or the brand? Is that some kind of conversation you have with your potential client? So, so like when I have a process, basically I have a questionnaire, and a lot of designers the best questions. I mentioned a few questions. I asked questions like the brand personality of the brand. What is your mission statement? What is your target audience? Um, basically, where do you see the brand hanging out? Is it online, in person, off shelves? Where does it say? Who is going to? Who's going to get it? Who's going to go after it? Who's the yeah, there's a lot of different questions I ask, and like, what are its traits? Like, adjectives? Is it more feminine, more masculine, um, more maximalist, more minimalist? Is it bold? So, is so it what, is, what is maximalist? Like, bright colors? Maxim no, maximalism is the opposite of minimalism. It's when you want a lot of different things stashed together, like in one place, like. A lot of different colors, a lot of different objects. Like, let's say the room is 
very so if you like ignore this part of the room like okay. let's say it was just like all white and just have like a little bit of furniture that's considered like minimalism yeah and uh, but if you had a lot of furniture you had lots of color in the room you had a lot of different objects on your desk that's maximalism so so a lot a lot is going on it's like more is more is more whereas minimal whereas minimalism less is more yeah, like to me, that would be a clutter, and I would feel like anxious with maximalism because, like, I, I like it would just be a clutter. Like, I like, I like structure. I like the minimal. Like, you know, just I guess that's why my my color of my theme is like black. You know, my 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 studio room, everything is black. I painted it black. Style. So, I guess you could Google it, but um, I give like another example. It's like your home, the decor. Yeah. There's like a, a there's like statue here, there's mirror here. You have a lot of decor, there's a lot of objects, and they're meant to be placed there. I mean, it's less, it's just your style, a lot of maximum, a lot of it, a lot of it everywhere. So, yeah. Would you say you're more of a maximalist person, like as far as your, your furniture, or more minimalist? I don't have to say because I don't like too much and I feel like stuff got lost. Like mm -hmm. you paid for something. Okay. It just goes bad or you lose it or something or it's hard when you want to move. But I'm also not minimalist because I cannot live off of just like a few t-shirts and yeah. a few pairs of shoes. Like I like style. I like to change it up. I like color. I still like prefer at times to have a physical uh, book to read as opposed to have everything electronically yeah so it's it's kind of like somewhere else, yeah well kindles the one thing they haven't got down yet is like the smell like the smell of old books like just the smell in general like like when i go to i mean you mentioned barnes and noble um i'm actually going to go this weekend because i love going during the holidays you know it's just the atmosphere but just in general just smelling the books and just getting that that whiff of the new books and then just that's that's the one thing kindles don't have yet with books i think you know smell and stuff like that yeah i don't have a kindle i have an ipad and the thing with the ipad is that you're still on a screen and like the screen doesn't affect your eyes you sit on for too long yeah so yeah so so another thing too like i was gonna ask you like um as far as brand design and what you do, does it kind of overlap with marketing? I would imagine, right? It kind of overlaps with marketing because, I mean, I remember uh, my partner at the time, um, I had a partner, and we got into kind of, not an argument, but kind of like a debate because I, I like to think I'm so above marketing. I like to think that it doesn't work on me, but obviously I'm wrong. Marketing works on everyone. But to me, it marketing just seems so malicious. Like, that was my argument to her. It seems very malicious. It seems manipulative. And she was like, no, it's just, it's just marketing. It's just, it's just influencing you to try to make you think a certain way. And to me, it was like, I don't like feeling manipulated. I don't like feeling like people have me figured out. For example, um, I like to think that when I see ads on my phone, I, I know what you're doing, Amazon. I know what you're doing, whatever. I'm not going to purchase it. And then later on, I end up feeling like I want to, I want to purchase it. So it has worked. I like to think that it doesn't work. I like to think I'm too smart for it. But that being said, like marketing, like, do you kind of, did you take any kind of marketing class to do your brand design? Yes, I did. I took a few marketing classes. Actually, I had a minor. My minor was in marketing. And your major was graphic design or? Yeah. 
when I did my bachelor, uh, we had the option of choosing a minor or mm. taking more major uh, design classes. And I felt like I took so many design studio classes that I was like, why not go on a minor in marketing? Mm. And the, yeah, the senior professor told me like, it's the best minor to do. It's like it was hand in hand design. And uh, I took social media marketing, consumer behavior, um, a few non-marketing courses just because they were it was required to take some random courses, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I took financial accounting. I never used that stuff, but I, I took it anyway. I just did yeah. it last semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 brands. Brands, brand marketing, I think it's called. Yeah, I think yeah, brand marketing. So like, brand marketing, like for example, is that focusing on how, like, that first impression, like, to get people into the building or into the tent, into the tent? Like, is that focused on that, like, hyper focusing on getting that first impression? Yeah, I remember because like, we did a lot of class, so like, I think I remember in the class brand awareness, brand recognition, like things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the entire process because it's been a while since I've taken it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, that's what brand marketing yeah. is. Okay, so speak- focusing on the. So speaking of brand awareness, do you deal with slogans too, or do you just do design? Do you do slogans too? Like for example, if yeah. you say "Eat fresh," you think about Subway. If you say "I'm loving it," you think about McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So, branding is brand. It's it's the purpose of it is to bring brand awareness so it's very part of it it's like the main concept really that you want people to recognize your logo and have it in their mind they're aware of it they know that it exists and it's just like they remember it so uh, yeah we do uh, work on taglines as well i work if there is a tagline that the customer has or the client We'll work on a tagline, um, but it's not necessarily every single brand has one. It kind of depends, especially if they're first starting out. Like they might have a model, they might have a mission, and all that. But to have a specific tagline, it takes a little bit of time because it has to be unique, and it's uh, it takes time to develop it. I don't think uh, McDonald's created the "I'm loving it" like overnight. I think it just like became a thing. After some time, I don't know if Starbucks even has a tagline, even though, like, I don't think so. Now that I think about it, no, no, they don't have a tagline. I'm personally boycotting Starbucks for several reasons. Obvious reasons, obvious reasons, (laughs) (laughs) obvious reasons. Yeah, I'm right there with you. From a branding perspective, I think about it, they don't have a tagline. I don't even know what Amazon tagline is. They might have one, but I have no idea. No, just Prime. That's all they say all the time. Prime because they're... Yeah, it's, it's not... You don't really need a tagline. It just depends on what kind of customer base you have mm-hmm. and uh, what makes it appealing for, you know, to get more customers in. Yeah, because, like, also, like, I pay attention to, like, the most random stuff, but I noticed also, like, um, over the past couple of years, um, Wendy's, for example, when, like, it's become common thought that Wendy's, it's the healthy fast food, but it isn't. 
it's just like McDonald's, but for some reason they did a good job at rebranding themselves as the healthy cheeseburgers. Like they're the healthy fast food. And if you go into a Wendy's now, like you see the decor, it's very like like lime greeny, like very lively colors. Like, and you see a lot of like lettuce on paintings on the wall, a lot of things that make you feel like, oh, this is the healthier option as opposed to McDonald's. Like, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of companies that do that, and they try to pick a specific product, especially to uh, focus on in terms of marketing. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the people doing the research, their marketing researchers, they do so much research, they decide to go out and create a campaign. And I think a big thing about Wendy's, I haven't been there in a long time, but I remember that they had like a salad or something that was like, being marketed as like a healthy salad it, it, it's not that great of a salad you just have the stuff and it's like i don't like salads and food in general but they they like they like certain things to make it like stand out yeah. but to me wendy's is somewhat equivalent to chick-fil-a only chick-fil-a is is it, it markets itself as like a chicken place for chicken we have everything it's from the name chick-fil-a and uh, we have the wedge fries, which are really good. So that's why I guess I like more Chick Fil A. And yeah, yeah and, and there's there's had that campaign with the chicken with the cows, right? Like the cows on the billboards, like eat more chicken, right? Like you ever seen yeah, those? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think I remember doing that. Yeah, it's like a cow holding up another cow, and they're like painting "eat more chicken" or something like that on the billboard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's all part of the brand. That's an extension of it, right? I mean, that's the brand. Like, for example, another thing of the brand too is the culture. Uh, Chick Fil A, you never see a customer. I mean, um, a worker or an employee who's in a bad mood. They're they're usually pretty lively and they're very generous and 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 they go out of their way above and beyond. It becomes a meme on Instagram that they go above and beyond to like satisfy the customer. Um, similar with, I don't, know, I don't know if you have Publix where you're at. Do you know Publix? Yeah, I do. Yeah, Publix. Yes. Same thing with Publix. If you go to Publix and see a worker in Publix and a worker in Walmart, the contrast is crazy. At Walmart, you see people that are miserable and hate working there, whereas Publix, people go out of the way to like you know be nice to you and be friendly. For example, on Better Day, I was behind this um this gentleman, and it was his birthday, and the lady who the cashier she went out of her way she left the post and then she went to go give him a balloon she gave him a balloon for his birthday and said happy birthday to him and like you know apologize for making you wait and i was like no that's fine you're fine but that would never happen in walmart if you tell someone in walmart it was your birthday they would look at you like i don't care like please get out of my line because you know that that's how it is but in Publix, it's just it's a different culture and then i would up and then she complimented my t-shirt because it's something we had a little conversation but that's Publix for you and that that comes from the culture of being obviously paid substantially more than Walmart and also having the culture of like the brand. It's like a more neighborhood kind of market. Obviously, it's still a big franchise and it's still a corporation, but they've done a good job of having that brand of it's a good workplace. Like if I had a child, I would prefer him to work at Publix over Walmart any day. Yeah. It's uh, quality, like, makes a big thing. Like, okay, well, Walmart is very convenient for a lot of, like, 
a lot of consumers and the appeal to it is the price and mm-hmm. that's merged a lot of over the place. Over like atmosphere mm-hmm. and it's fine. But uh public for people that have kind of like a higher income, a little bit more like in the middle uh class, they'll probably find Publix more appealing to actually go for the atmosphere as well and that's how the money goes in as well. So it's like a, it's kind of like a win-win situation for them. Like, like, public, like that doesn't lose, Walmart doesn't lose either for obvious reasons. Um, but, but like, like atmosphere-wise, public does get that like the more high-end are. Like if you if you compare as well, public to Target. Like I think we could all agree that Target is the place people go just for fun. Like, they just go to Target just to waste time sometimes. Yeah, Target is so random. Like, it's so, Target is so random. Like, every time I go there, I don't know what what I went for, but I come out with a basket full of stuff. It's just so yeah. random. Like, it's so much I, I read an article about it, and they literally designed it in a way where you want to leave. You go out, you start with, like, maybe the product skincare aisle. I don't know what it is. It depends on what you even but they, it's designed everyone puts in a certain place so you can like go from one place to the next to the next to the next and the products are good the quality is good like it, there's certain appeal to it it's all psychological sure. i don't i can't even because i personally don't 100 understand what they did but they they designed this specifically in a way for uh customers to leave with a lot of stuff that, that it, it's true man they they trick us they trick us because like it, luckily for my own good uh target isn't that close it's kind of out of the way but still whenever i'm in that area i find myself in target and i don't know why like what did i come in here for <laughs> it's like i'm just here yeah so so smart and tj max like oh. a lot of people yes. out there it, it's just like you are speaking the language of my people as Latinos, Latinos have an affinity for Ross, Michaels, um, uh, not Michaels, uh, Marshalls and TJ Maxx. It's like if you're in a strip mall and those three are there, uh, you're there for like five hours. It's insane. Yeah. And yeah. Same, same thing. Like you said, it's like, what did I come in here for? And then you end up leaving with something. And it's, yeah. Okay. And you get the illusion that you're saving money, but once they got you in there, you end up spending more. You know, that, that, that's the thing that gets me with Publix, for example. Publix has um, uh, BOGOs, right? They got each week they have buy one, get one freeze. And so I shop, I shop at Publix, obviously, because I'm fortunate enough where I can afford it. You know, I'm not uber wealthy, but I can afford to go to Publix. And, and also because of the culture. Like I said, people aren't in a bad mood. It's, it's just the environment. But also because they have buy one, get ones. But I noticed that when I have buy one, get ones, I end up, rationalize it with myself like oh i can buy that thing i didn't need because i had to buy one get one and i still end up spending the money in Publix. they still get my money yeah yeah it's insane and like i said yeah. i need to think i'm too smart for it but it, when you look back it's like oh, they got me again you know i'm only human yeah exactly what, what i do right now is because i used to fall for these deals anywhere i went especially if i get them in my emails i don't even look at the promotion for my emails but like I get like, <laughs> you buy the amount, like stuff, you get this for free. I was like, that's a bargain. I get something for free, but I'm still spending money. So. Or, or the free shipping. The free shipping gets me. 
if it's $25 plus $5 shipping, I don't want it. But if it's $30 free shipping, give it to me. Yeah, but the way I think now to avoid that is just like, okay, let's say I'm going out shopping and I see something cute, like, I don't know, a pair of shoes or um, anything. And I'm just like, it says get buy one, get another one half off or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would look at my own stuff, what I already have, going back to the minimalism, maximalism thing. Mm-hmm. Look at what I already have in my closet and see exactly if I need more than just like the one pair of shoes, yeah. like a safe pair of boots. I already have like two, three, four other pairs of boots. Do I need to get the other one for half off just to realistically complete the sale? And that's how I like rationalize things, like, because you're still spending the money, even if it's not as much. And yeah. you're still getting more stuff to put in your closet, and you already have stuff you're already putting on before that are actually in good condition. So there's, a, there's like things to factor on as well. Like even like with women go to uh, like Victoria's Secret or Tank or like places that all the deals happening and you buy one from this, you get another one. Uh, buy two, get two free or buy, I don't know how many, there's all these deals. And it's the same thing, like rationalizing, like do you really need that or not? And if you do need it, then it is a good deal. Like you can't always avoid deals. Like sometimes it really it really is a good deal for you, even if you end up spending a hundred dollars if it lasts you a long time. Then that's the way I look at it in terms of being consumed. But, but you do have to watch out for because you can offer them and you can end up going growth for no reason. Yeah. You end up having a garage sale and you don't get not even nearly enough back from what you wasted. Like what what I what I end up having to do more than anything is go to Goodwill and I donate a lot of stuff because it's like either um I lost a lot of weight where it doesn't fit me anymore or I just I don't need it anymore and I have to make room in my closet I have to like donate shirts or or shorts or something like that I'm not a big shoe person I'm just like a three shoes like if I have a black shoe a white shoe and a workout shoe I'm good but as far as like t-shirts i found myself buying a lot of t-shirts because i like graphics you know the graphic the, the, the t-shirt graphics this is witty this is nice this speaks to me i end up buying it and then it's like why did i buy it i do not need this and end up giving it away to goodwill to donate it right but that's something that do you as a designer do you like have to turn your brain off and be like not think about it like when you go to a place do you kind of like are you like um casing the joint if you will are you kind of looking at the logo or something like that? Like, hmm, this is this, this is trying to say that, or you just kind of turn your brain off when you're off work? So you mean when I go out in the world and I yeah. see the logo? That- yeah, do you, do, you, do you think like, oh, what, why did they have this logo? Why, why this logo? Why this and that? Do you do that or you just kind of like shut it off because you're off the clock? So recently I went to a networking event and in the networking event they were talking about uh, organization that's local here and like the cause of the organization is really good. It's for all of that, it's for, for homeless kids. Mm-hmm. They've taken homeless kids, they help them, they do all these great things for them. When I really heard this, when I really heard the story, like uh, I had to ignore that their logo was not a good one for me as a designer. Yeah, their logo it, it it doesn't represent 
them as much as it should. So I do want to distinguish that, that yes, I, there's still a mission behind this uh, mm-hmm. brand. Even if it's not a good brand, I can't always like be like, it's not a good look. I can't like, always do that because there are some businesses that just don't, they either don't really need it, like they're already doing really well, or and it's it's, it's for a lot of business it is really like I'm not gonna lie even though um, we my, it's my job to make money off of this thing um, a lot of businesses uh, are already doing well without a logo and to them it's like if they just did the branding and they approved the branding could be just like buying a designer bag like equivalent to somebody buying a designer bag just for it to look prettier on the outside. So in certain cases, like it isn't that necessarily needed, and that's why there's research to be done behind it to see if they actually do need it. Like if somebody's taking in a lot of like uh, money from the outside world to help other people, then it's not like they're making money through uh, selling services or selling products, and they want more customers to come in and pay them more. So that they can benefit, and we're trying to have others benefit. So it really depends on the situation. It depends on the mm-hmm. on the business, on what their purpose is. They're trying to do it for their own, for themselves, for their own business, for product. So many factors come into play when it comes to that. So yeah, I do have to turn off my brain um, every once in a while and just mm-hmm. ignore. Even a website, if it doesn't look good to me, I'm just like not enjoying the process and I can't take it seriously sometimes. But uh, let's say it's a government website. I can't do anything about that. I still have to use it. So you have to yeah. put a lot of things <laughs> off. <laughs> now I'm worried, that, I'm worried that my design for the, the video presentation is going to be up to par. You're going to be like, yeah, that color scheme is off. That color scheme, that pattern isn't working. <laughs> I'm kind of worried now, so. No, uh, I'm not that nitpicky. It's not really, like, I think, for example, your logo is good. I didn't see any issue with the, the P. Yeah, I mean, just the persona podcast, double P. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. English. It's just, like you said, it's min- it's minimalist. It's just black and white. Um, you know, that's just, that's the way I, 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 I want, I want the characters to bring the color. I'm trying to be all posh about it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to act like it was all a design with a purpose, right? Let the characters bring their own color to the bland layout or whatever. But no, that's just that colors. I mean, obviously, my favorite color is actually green, like dark green. But I wanted to make it a neutral color, like you said, it's black and white. You know, something yeah. neutral. Uh, if I go back just to the topic we're talking about organization, their logo did have potential, like. I, I saw that they were trying to do something with the letters, like there was Y, and then there was like two Cs, mm-hmm. and kind of looked like a butterfly. So it had a lot of potential, but it wasn't there yet. So, like, like, I do notice that one. There are ideas that you're trying to represent with. Um, they just needed like, like better execution to make. Yeah, like a butterfly, I think it symbolizes new life, right? If I'm not mistaken. Do you do you delve like also for you as far as like animals, like for brands and logos? Is that something? So like everything 
I mean, the it's all your canvas when you're designing something, right? Animals, um, things like that. That's also something you delve into. I mean, if it's a way for me to be like a little bit of local, like a little bit of local, or a little bit of then yes, I've done it before. I haven't done it with a client. Like, so this just not happened with a client. But I did use it for personal mm -hmm. projects that I did in uh, Holland, where I designed an application called Wanderer. And I utilized the W and changed it with a like, little butterfly. It's on my website, so see it over there. And I the the app was uh, to wander, uh, basically an app where it's suggested you can be stuff with your president, which you can visit wherever you are, the locally or if you're traveling, they talk with your preferences and things you like, and the data it takes from you. Um, they will suggest your places to visit. And I called the app Wander, and I wanted the butterfly to be the symbol of Wander. For that reason, because butterflies like the light. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And it's very elegant too. It's just, it's very like, you know, it's like almost like a rhythm. Mm -hmm. It's the way they wander. Yeah. That's interesting. And that was just, yeah. that was just a personal project for, for school. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. So, like, so, like, you know, with school, it wasn't so much like book stuff. It was like, it's like, like an interactive kind of thing because you're doing design, right? Yeah, all of our projects in college, uh, for the actual design Really critique based, so um, it depends on the class. But you should have like three big projects for the class, and uh, it goes out from a semester. We take turns of students to showcase uh, the first stage of our work or a certain project the professor gives us, and we have to each do our own version of it. And uh, we're going to get critiques by the professor about the project. Sometimes the critiques are very harsh, mm -hmm. or from like uh, in the class. And then there's the we take all of the information we receive, we make revisions, and then there's the second critique, and then the third, and then we reach the final project, and then we get graded based on the final results. Yeah. And it's kind of like a pair of sort of like life situations of like clients because mm -hmm. we have to, we, we don't always get it done from the first time. That's why there's revisions involved. When you're working with the clients, because you cannot, you can't always just get it right from the big get so like yeah. you get their feedback, uh, you take their feedback, you make the changes, um, or if you don't agree with their feedback in some sense, and you believe that there's a different direction that could be better, you can show several options, mm. and then they kind of like decide, I guess, which one they like more until you get to the final one. But usually, it's about three revisions, like mm. yeah, yeah, like like. Uh, on, a, on a different, obviously a different level, I had a friend who was a tattoo artist and it's like, he would only, because you can only argue with so much as far as the customer, right? Because the customer is going to be right. And when they're satisfied, they're satisfied. And if he thought something wasn't feasible, like a design, he would try to tell him like, I don't think that looks, you know, but if you want it, okay, fine. 
do you feel like sometimes that's something that you have to do as a graphic designer or is it like a position that obviously you don't want to be in it because you want to believe in what you created you want to be behind it and put your you put your hard work into it so you want to believe in it and you want to feel like you did the best job possible but sometimes you got to kind of just be like okay if you're happy with it that's what you want that's what you want you have to sometimes kind of do that it really depends also on the budget you cannot designers can't always give um 120 percent if uh, the amount they charge is not for 120 percent for 80 percent okay and the client is usually aware of that and they're okay with it and if they're okay with it then like this is sometimes what you get you know and uh, as designers we do want to give that 120 percent every time but we do also have to think about our time and our energy and where it's going and if there's a client that's uh, going to pay the budget that she wants to set for example for uh, a brand design and you're going to only set up this budget or more then uh, you have to put your energy in that not my idea but more and give yep. them the money for the value that you're getting getting of your of your your effort to make it make it really really good and sometimes um not every designer accepts um lower budget work um but sometimes it just happens i guess and they just accept that they let that a few clients classify are like that some clients some designers that may end up living where they live and market that they're living in uh their first charge less and it's uh, maybe the circumstances of the country and the salary, like in Lebanon, yeah. the salaries are low. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll give 100%, but if, if they're inclined to put too many changes, then they have to charge extra and they don't do what it is. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's one thing. But uh, going back also to if I've ever had to, like, I, I told them my idea, that I think a better option, and they said no to it, then uh, I have to work with that what they prefer more and change it, make changes to it to make it the best version of this style. If you know, like if they pick one font that they like, like more as well as another font, it's like being very, very different. Like, like one that's more handwritten and calligraphic. And the other one is more uh, of a serif font, and they picked. And I personally think that the serif font works better for their brand and what I need to read. But they prefer to have a more feminine calligraphic style. Yeah. Then I'll do. I'll, I'll do the. I'll improve the calligraphic style to a point that it stands out and it works great. And I've done that before. So, and I, I was, I'm, I ended up being very proud of the work anyways. It was still my work because I still made changes to it. My group sleep thought as it was. I, am, I changed it and did focus on tiny details to the point where it really suited the brand. So, yeah. Like, and, and how, how, like, how hard is it to be satisfied with like the min, like the smallest detail, for example, on, obviously on a smaller scale, just as a hobby. I have an iPad too and um, I make like t-shirt designs. Um, and, Sometimes I get so stuck on the font and I'm, be, I'm shuffling back between three fonts and they look very similar and I'm just stuck on it for like 30 minutes. 
like is, is that something you have to overcome or is that something you still have to deal with like it's the smallest little detail like uh, no it's not perfect yet this one doesn't fit this one does, this one's better this one's better or do you just kind of go okay you know what this one so i have a lot of fonts on my uh, desktop and i have so many different resources where i don't download so many free fonts mm -hmm. and because of how much i have i just like look through what i already have for especially uh the client that doesn't have a specific uh style when it comes to the actual letters the word mark as opposed to like the concept like if you see the concept is there but it could go in any direction font-wise then i look at what i have first and uh, see what i can work with what i already have and then if i'm not satisfied what i already have i'll look for fonts similar to it that i think really like i can make a few adjustments to it and really be with the local process. And um I've I've what I've done in the past for a lot of the logos that I designed is I mixed three fonts together and I made it the local. So three fonts together. Wow. That's that's I mean of course we did. Yeah. I did not like certain letters within one font, but I like the font overall. And I and I did like a few letters in a different font, and then another font that had certain like the eye was kind of like a diamond or something. But there was a few differences, or like the E was more curved, it was more interesting. Why so I just like take what I like for each one, put it together, and then I made adjustments for the basic, and they look like a result. Check you out. That's 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 cool. That's like I wouldn't even thought of that's that's what's up. Yeah, just like it's like a compromise yeah. itself. You know? Yeah, we used to do that a lot of times. And you can tell that one letter is not exactly the same as the rest. It should be on purpose. Like, it's the point of it. It's to yeah. show that, like, something is striking and different. It's unique. But, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I don't think I've ever, I've probably seen it, but I probably didn't notice it. You know, but because I wouldn't have yeah. that. Like, for example, one project I did called. I did that as a test project for a job I was applying to, but I ended up being so happy with it that mm -hmm. uh, I put it in my portfolio. So it's called Finance, and that's the project I I, I, ch I chose three different fonts to put together and made changes to it, adjusted things, and mm -hmm. made it look like it's we, we definitely have to. We're gonna link the portfolio in the bio when this goes on YouTube. We're gonna link that too because that, that's, that's that's dope. That's crazy, man. That's like. And by dope, I mean that's good. I don't know how the colloquialism is over there, but dope, really good. <laughs> dope is bad. Dope is bad, but dope means really good. All right, that's just that's just so you know, just so you know. No, but like, yeah, like, like, when did you growing up? Like, when did you say, or did you have the inkling of like graphic design? That's where I want to go. Branding. Like, at what age do you feel like were you were you drawing as a little kid? Were you doing something like that? Were you drawing on your walls? Were you decorating? Like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, what, like, what was it? All of those things. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. I used to be really into drawing as a kid. I would draw mostly like female figures, like female faces. They kind of look like brat dolls a little bit. Um, oh, the brat dolls. I remember those. I didn't play with them. I didn't play with them. Stop asking about it. I didn't play with them. 
but I do remember the yeah. rest of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I used to do like cartoon females. Okay. It wasn't like a like a female figure, So when did that translate over into like I'm going to do brands, like in college? Because like you went from doing art, right? Like art, what the the average person knows as art, right? Like the average person yeah. for me knows art. That's what you were doing, right? Like right art, right? And then you went to a different prism, a different side of art, and in, in the form of brands and stuff. So I always had like a journal or a sketchbook. I just had a book that I would like like write things that or do things I liked. Whether I was doodling or I was sketching or like anything I was doing, I just had this book that I would like. I couldn't like not doodle or sketch. So when it came to um, when I was in grade twelve, and it came to the time to pick uh, what you want to do for college. Which is crazy, right? It's crazy that yeah. at a young age, it's like not what do you want to do first of your life, you know, at the age of eighteen, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so I was like thinking about what I wanted to do, and then I looked at the fact that I like to draw a lot, and I want to do something creative, but also make money out of it. Mm-hmm. So one of the options, just because it seemed like the most practical, I guess, was architecture, because, you know, you could still draw buildings, but it's uh, it's not it's not as creative. It's just like more you just have to draw buildings. There's like principles that come with that. There's a certain science, I guess, behind it, because the buildings have to actually be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I did a research. I was like, what could I do where I could be creative? Also, maybe I want to learn how to be creative digitally. Mm-hmm. And I found the name for it. And after doing my research, I realized it's called graphic design. Mm-hmm. So that's how I came on graphic design. I don't know what the term for it was. I just didn't want to use my creativity, but use it in the real world, like as communication, solve your problems. 
yeah yeah because you, you're you're helping business establish its identity right or, or recapture it or, or revamp it or make maybe something yeah. happens where they want to go a different direction or they're barely starting so you're helping business i mean it's the backbone of a business that's the first interaction that people have right the brand yeah i'm really curious about uh, working on computers and uh, doing things digitally like doing that in art digital so i was like okay i could learn this in college yeah yeah, because I didn't know how to do a lot of stuff I did. Like, I didn't know anything about Illustrator, Photoshop, none of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any design. So everything I learned, I learned in college, even though you don't really need to go to college to learn, because there's lots of courses out there now. But um, to me, it was like, yeah, I know I want to do that, and I'll learn as I go. And I learned mm-hmm. as I did it. So, yeah. So, so like for the normie out there, what's the best like simple to use kind of like program, like Adobe or like like what what's the best one to use? That's pretty simple. Uh, I don't think calling them simple is the right thing to call them because they're not exactly simple. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I've tried. I've tried Adobe. Adobe's pretty complicated to me. Yeah. That's kind of my really simple when you're you're using them for the first time. There's a learning curve over there. And all that's on the exam to you watch a tutorial or something. You just have quite an experiment yourself. But I would say Adobe is the best. It's not necessarily the easiest, but Adobe is the best tool out there and the best software. Mm-hmm. Videographers use Premiere Pro as well. So there's like something for every creative. And um, I mostly use uh, InDesign, uh, Photoshop. I use Illustrator the most. Illustrator is is the platform for creating vectors. So that's for vectors. Photoshop is for pixels, for images mostly. And uh, InDesign is mostly for layouts. So mm-hmm. if you're doing like a, a book design layout, like the inside of a book and placing text and the images and all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And do, yeah. You, do you do you like surround yourself with like-minded like creatives, like in in that field? Yeah, I have a lot of different. The connections, there are lots, lots of designers I know. Um, a lot of other work as well. Mm-hmm. 
So, so as far as continue, sorry, continue. The easiest tool for anyone to use is Canva. The Canva, basically, you Canva, it doesn't mean that you created a good design. Mm -hmm. So, when a designer uses Canva, then they can use a tool that's easy and it's easy for a client to edit, but they create the design, they actually know what they're doing as a designer. They actually know. Uh, how it's supposed to look for brands, and then they hand it off to the um, client, and it's easy for them to just edit the text for example if they want to do social media posts. So Canva is the, I guess, the easiest. It's not exactly the most effective one. Yeah, it, it's it's more the SparkNotes version of uh, designing. It's kind of like the site. It's, it makes it simple. It kind of like dumbs it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got you. Yeah, because like me, I do uh, buzz art. You probably never heard of it as a designer. It's called buzz buzz art. <laughs> the, the the shaking of disapproval. Never heard of it. Disapproval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 very it's very simplistic, and that's what I do with my stuff. That's how I did my logo. That's how I did the, the layout of this um this video screen that you'll see when it's published. Okay. That's why I do all my stuff, you know, it's just pretty simple. It's very really, <laughs> yeah. And, and that, Adobe Express. Okay. Yeah, they created something similar to Canva as well. So that's for the normies. That's like if you're barely starting, you want to get your feet wet or you don't wanna deep dive into yeah. it. Okay, so that's what you want. If you're not a designer and you just want something cute to leave behind real quick and you want to do it yourself, then Adobe Express. There you yeah. go. Yeah. From Sabrina's mouth, Adobe Express. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's dope, man. That's dope. Like I said, when, when I came across the profile, like I said, the things that stood out to me was the way that you were not just like, give me your money. I'm such a badass. Here's my work. No, it was like, let's just relax let's see where this is gonna go let's see what we can do and actually even know what a brand is you know a brand is a brand you know it's not just a logo so that, that was really that was really interesting and that's something that i think has to take note like do you feel like other creators are that are that way too in graphic design or is it like everyone's different obviously um, it's hard to say because i've, I've seen so many graphic designers I've seen so many from the Babylons. I've seen so many online. There's, there's a lot of designers that know what they're doing. And they mm -hmm. know exactly the value of having creators. And they don't have to do the blue. They don't have to do it. Either a full brand or nothing. Mm -hmm. They don't okay, so have a What would a full so a full brand would be the brand strategy I mentioned before, the mission statement values, all that, learning everything about the brand and who they're trying to target. And this is done. And uh, then you have the logos. Um, you basically have the main logo, and then you have other versions of the same logo, but they just look a little bit different and they fit in different places. Like, the main logo may not fit as an icon like for your website yep. or it may not fit on certain places on a product 
So you create variations of the same logo just to like fit in different places. So that's like um, different versions of the same logo. And then you have the, the things like the brand pattern. It's just a pattern that just like sophisticates the entire brand even more. There's the brand guidelines, the do's and don'ts of the brand, basically, like where your logo should fit, what the colors of the logo are, the exact colors, like the hex codes. The hex codes uh, tell you exactly what shade of color it is and what can be used. If you have a web designer, for example, who wants to create your website, they know exactly what colors you use for the brand itself to make it a red. So, so you're, you're essentially you're essentially creating like the, the dna for it so that someone else can come and yeah. continue um, okay so okay so like color schemes things like that um typography exactly the name and the, the styles of the font so that's um, like a whole marketing campaign really i mean that's that's it's not just here's a logo and, and have a good day it's it's oh wow that that's 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 great that's commendable yeah, and then you can add things like mock-up or brands, I mean, business cards. And it really depends on what the client also needs. So there's so many things that go into it, and we create an entire presentation for it, and that's like something that the client keeps. And they can like keep, have any other people they hire or anything else. They have all that information there. Like it's theirs to, to you. Yeah. So when you create a logo or a brand, is there any copyright on your end, or is it the clients because they paid for it? Is it do they earn do they own all the rights to it? Most designers, I don't say all, but I don't know. But I know that most designers will keep the word file for themselves. They not take out the word file because if you because a lot of like clients end up just taking the source file and giving it to some other designer so it will take charge them less to make things good. Huh. So what most designers do is they okay we're done with the work we'll give you the PNGs, the PDF, mm -hmm. um the JPEGs. Uh, those are all they can all be used to to actually create yeah everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, and some 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 cases you do have to get the source file, but it I think it's like it depends. Like it could be either you like talk to let's say the person that creates sign for them. Sometimes people who create signages, they need the actual source file. You could like stay in contact with the person creating the signage and give them the source file yourself, instead of just handing it over to the client. And not every place needs the source file, so. In most cases, I would avoid giving out the first file, but sometimes you have to, you have to like, I guess, mm. hope that they don't just, you know. You kind of got to get of the person. Yeah. 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 So, pretty much. Wow. You get everything uh, in a file, all of the different formats that are needed, and uh, the brand presentation. Yeah, that's that's the, the the basis of it, basically. What do you feel like your customer field mostly consists of? Like restaurants, entrepreneurs, 
creating clothing? Like, what do you feel like you kind of work with the most? Um, I currently, or in the past year and a half that I've worked with all the clients that I did, I haven't had a specific field that mm -hmm. I've thought more of. Mm -hmm. I think the most I did was uh, branding, but I even did a few different other projects that were outside of branding and from different fields. I've had literally like a restaurant owner reached out to me and I did for him his logo menu. And then I, I did uh, branding for a beauty salon. I did logo for her without the full branding because she just needed the logo. But some added a few steps in there so it's actually for me to, to do that, create the mood boards as well. Couldn't talk about mood words are kind of like what get the inspiration going. I'm looking for the right inspiration and showing it to the client after we're done with asking them the questions. And it, it stuff happens before you actually start designing. So, uh, yeah, and I had uh, a, a book cover I did as well for an author. Um, Do you have to read the book to make a good book cover? No, his book wasn't even done when I. Yeah. Oh, wow. He, or, okay. Yeah. It was a completely different concept when mm -hmm. we started. We started with one idea and we had to design the cover three times because his ideas kept changing. Yeah. And yeah. We yeah. To be. yeah. Until we reached the final one. So I didn't really read the book, but he gave me a summary of it and like okay. the first chapter. And so that's pretty much what I read. But the idea of it, the basis, and uh, that's how we can cover. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, so no wonder you're talking about books and covers. So you've done book covers. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I do do a book cover. Um, I've also worked with a web developer before. Um, the, the branding, and then the web design. He wanted to create the web developer website. Mm -hmm. So I've had different projects different all right so so sabrina is about to get started on a new project right so what does she do does she get her coffee does she get the headphones does she get the music in the apartment the workspace like what's your routine as far as starting like from scratch so yeah i thought i made a i'm making the coffee having breakfast i have a hotter ice cream in the wintertime, I usually get hot if it's hot, and in the summertime, I get the cold. So it's just on the weather. Yeah, I'm with, you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, I'm having hot coffee, but in the summer, yeah. I'll have a cold. Yeah. Um, so I already, have, I already have my laptop, like, usually set up mm -hmm. in the stand. I think it's probably taking the laptop at some Yeah. And, uh, uh, the way I start with a client is we go and have a meeting first and we talk about everything. And uh, after I get the idea of it, I go do my research. And uh, after we're done with the research, um, I pull him the mood boards. And when we're done with that, then I start designing. And that doesn't all happen in one day. Like that's yeah. kind of like out between several days sometimes. And, uh, and then and when that happens, I also have other work to do. So I would 
sometimes work on multiple clients or I'd be working on my own brand as well at the same time. So I'm doing different things every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like, uh, I'm working currently like with a sign place in uh, somebody I know in Michigan. And uh, if he gets clients, that means to help their logos. I'll uh, work work on the logos and then and then send him file file and that's how that's how I was talking about that as well. Right? Yeah. 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 Do, do, do you feel like well, I'm sorry? Huh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. a little bit different. Uh, sometimes I'm I'm maybe watching videos. Uh, I'm working on my LinkedIn website. My I also, or I'm uh, looking for the sources out there and learning something. And also, I'm working on my clients or trying to get clients for the business. Getting clients is not always easy. You have to go to talk to the networking event, you have to make yourself known, do your own marketing. It's like a one man army if you want. Like, you have to do everything. Yep. Awesome. You're essentially a business. You're, you're, you're your business, right? You're your small business. You are the small business. So you have to do it all from the ground up. You have to do your own yeah. brand, right? Your own, you're working on your own brand always because your work speaks for itself. So you're ever, your brand is yeah. ever evolving, right? So yeah. because of COVID, do you feel like it made it a bit like, obviously we had to evolve from it. Um, I think this podcast, this format would not have been possible without COVID because COVID made it so easily and so normal to have, you know, these kind of meetings, virtual camera things, right? It made it so practical. Do you feel like because of COVID, it became like easier to get clients over over the internet, over online kind of work? Or how did that affect it, you think? Uh, I'm not really sure because I wasn't, I just graduated during COVID mm-hmm. and I didn't really start working on my clients uh, okay. until um, I finished my master's. So I did my master's as well. And I did it, I finished in May of 2022. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting posts. Okay. And I, I thought I was going to go and like right away get a full time job and just work for someone like right off the bat. So I realized that it doesn't really work like that in some world, you know. Yeah. It's not that easy to get a job like that. Especially if you only have educational experience, not enough full time experience already existing. Mm-hmm. So that's when I took on freelancing. When I started getting a few jobs here and there, I tried really hard. I I accepted the at first whatever prices that I was just getting started, and there were some people. Friends of mine, the customer community, I took little to no money from as well. And uh, I kept working on it. I kept uh, trying and trying. Particularly when I was in Lebanon, I would go to events. I would start to get more confidence speaking to people and putting myself out there. And I did lots of uh, tests for design jobs that I was getting interviewed for. Mm-hmm. All of that like creates a lot of experience, I think, and how to deal with clients, how to talk to people, even in interviews, if you want to work for somebody else. Um, all of that like added to my experience to where I am now. 
And uh, I think it's only like now that it's really getting better. Because uh, before, I felt like I was really like in a lot of spots. Like, especially, um, I didn't know in America like a year ago when I was there how to really um, put myself out there. And I thought I would just have to do it online, like apply on up work or just like do ads on Instagram. I realized that it's not the only way and it's not necessarily the most effective way because there's so many people out there just like you doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And like, why, sh- why should they pick you over somebody else? Like they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. So you have to make yourself known one way or the other. And uh, I realized I literally needed to go out there and let other people know that this is who I am. And if they need somebody to need to work, then they talk about me and get referrals and word of mouth and mm-hmm. uh, all that. So that's that's kind of how I started getting work. I started getting them as well from like networking apps. So I did get a some work online, but it was never really from like upward or those like websites online. But these are the people I put in the effort to network with. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, because no nothing is gonna make a person want to come to you like someone's recommendation. Like you can hear about a restaurant, but into the person, someone that you know tells you, "Oh, that restaurant is good." You're gonna go. If you see ads for that restaurant, you might not go. Oh, it looks pretty good. Who knows? But if someone you know, oh yeah, the restaurant's good. Just go there. You're gonna go there. You're gonna go there tomorrow. So there's nothing like word of mouth. Um, similar to to our situation over here, we have, I have a landscaping company, and my father doesn't do. And I remember when I was younger, he did do a little bit of business cards, but he stopped doing it. And business is still good thankfully uh from word of mouth word of mouth and recommendations like for example uh about a year ago we got um this one property in the community and now a year later we have seven properties in that same community you know all it took was one to get us in there into the gate literally and now there's seven properties that we maintain in that community because it's, the work speaks for itself and that word of mouth like you can advertise a lot but when someone recommends you, the work speaks for itself. So you networking, that's awesome. That's awesome that you you did that and doing it the way you did it. You said that you were in Lebanon for most of your life, which is crazy. Your English is really good. Did you learn that in Lebanon, your English? Or did, was that something that you took on when you came to America? Like classes or just being with Americans or around Americans? Like how did your English evolve? Because it's pretty good. The education system in Lebanon is really good. It's, mm-hmm. I think it, it's way tougher than the one here. So the education system is really advanced over there. And um, most people either learn, aside from Arabic, they learn French or they learn English. But mm-hmm. so I went to a school with English. And uh, I was, I knew how to speak English as a kid, even when I was in Kenya. I went to a really good and then we were only allowed to speak English, even though we were in Romania. Mm-hmm. It was an international school. And uh, it just kind of like stuck with me. Like, I was speaking three languages, like making up my own language, speaking a word in English, a word in Arabic, and a word in Romanian together. Jeez. So, uh, and then yeah. And that's where you go the fonts, huh? Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was with my parents. Like, I wanted, I would say, let's say I want, like, the, I don't know, a word in Arabic, I'm saying the pants, I'll say the muscle long. 
English was the language I was always best at because I was read everything in English. I was better at it than I was in Arabic. I didn't really learn how to read in Arabic and write in it until I was like, I think, 10 years old. So that's how I'm really good at it. I'm I'm better at English and I am at uh, both spoken and written Arabic. So you know, I'm not really good at spoken Arabic, but there are certain words and like the written version that I just don't understand. Yeah, because isn't it isn't the writing like reverse? Isn't it like uh, right to left? Yeah, but it's because of that. Uh, it's because uh, like I said, spoken Arabic, like from whatever region you're from, it's not it's a plain version of the written. There is an Arabic like almost like professional like grammarly uh-huh. Arabic, whereas focus like as if you're from European. So it's like but it's, it's not. But if you're writing a friend in Arabic and you're speaking slang, you can still write slang, right? If you guys understand it yeah, yourselves. It wouldn't be grammatically correct. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, God forbid, but I mean, if you're writing your friends, I mean, it doesn't have to be grammatically correct, right? If it's like a friend. Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, but it's not the, like, if you go into an Arabic class and you show them the weird things that are like, Yeah, of course, of course. It would not be right. Would be like saying, "I ain't going to store something." <laughs> <laughs> the American came out right there. I ain't going to store. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, that's interesting. Wow, because like to me, I mean, we we I, I like to say when I don't understand something, I like to say it's all French to me. But I mean, really, Arabic is more obviously more complex than French to me. It, it's 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 uber complex so like to me the writing the, the reading the speaking it's just it's crazy it's crazy to me and obviously here in america born and raised in america we don't i mean you, you're offered like french or spanish for like two classes and they're like mediocre classes they're not even that hard it's just like it's really a free class you're just messing around but it's not encouraged to learn another language you know like over there in europe or you know in lebanon for example it, it's encourages it's you have to learn multiple languages. Yeah, I I understand. I know what you mean. I there was uh, when I was in college in Central, which oh. um, was in Connecticut. There was there was the option to take. Uh, it was actually required to take an extra language, mm-hmm. but I chose not to do that. And I showed them that I know how to speak Arabic. Like I wish I didn't. I wish I like took Spanish or something. I thought mm-hmm. it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the time, I was like, I don't want to learn a new language. And I thought that I could like get take a, a different course instead, or just like have those credits. Like okay, I already know Arabic. That that's free. That it's for free. But it was not. I thought it was another class. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I think it, it it depends also on the. University. I can't speak for high school because I never went to high school. Yeah, I'm speaking about high school. High school, it's just, it's, it's just, it's a free class. It's just messing around. You take Spanish or French. You don't learn too much. I mean, obviously, if you push yourself to learn, you can utilize the stuff they give you and and learn substantially. 
for example, like um, us Mexicans, instead of taking French and being ambitious, we always take Spanish because it's like an easy A, you know, in high school. It's just like we already know Spanish, but we're learning the more proper Spain Spanish, if anything, but it's still an easy A, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but, but that's something that, that to me, it was really interesting. Like, you know, like, because I, I didn't want to assume that you were Latina, but I was like, is she Latina? Like, you know, but it's like, it's like, no, you're not Latina. <laughs> so I'm not happy I didn't start speaking Spanish to you. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered, I guess. Like, Shakira is half Latina. She's half the Vivian, so why not? No, she's really me. I did not know that. Yeah, her dad's uh, and her mom is Colombian. Oh wow. And I, I'm a Shakira fan since I was like ten. Really? I did not know she was yeah. Lebanese. Yeah, yeah. Tell me something. Wow. Yeah, I don't think she speaks Arabic well. Like she's not that close to the Lebanese roots, but she does love and she's visited several times but i think her dad is very like he's a Lebanese native but he mm -hmm. kind of like moved out of lebanon or moves young or something i don't really know the backstory but he's more like colombian right you know I, I, mean? I did not i had no idea that's that's crazy that's yeah. lovely i mean look at hey there you go there you go there you go shakira there you go that's that's a, that's a good role model i guess yeah do you know any spanish No, just hola. Is poquito in Spanish? Poquito, yeah, a little bit. Yes, yes, poquito Spanish. Poco, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, depending on where you live in America, it's 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 quite useful, you know, because in, in the States, there's a lot of like, you know, you know, whether, whether. Is there any Spanish? The music I listen to. What's that? If there's any Spanish, I know it's from the music I listen to. Oh, which music? I mean, Shakira, obviously, she's a national hero, but what other music do you listen to? I think Jennifer Lopez sings in Spanish. I don't know if K60 means anything in Spanish. K60? Yeah. yeah. What, did, what did you do? Yeah, K60. What did you do? Okay. So. She was Selena. Have you seen her in Selena? Yeah, I did. I think I did watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah, she was in Selena. Yeah, I was really sad watching it. Oh yeah, tearjerker. I always have to skip the end. It just, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's a whole nother tragedy amongst itself. It's something that, and then, but I mean, a lot of people criticize her because she, she, she's what we call a no sabo, like no sabo. Because like when you don't know something, you're supposed to say no se, right? But no sabo is like a, a, a wrong way to say it. So like when, when a, when America dies, a Hispanic person doesn't speak Spanish properly. They're called a no sabo kid. So Jennifer Lopez, she got criticized a lot for not speaking Spanish properly because you know she doesn't speak it. She speaks it kind of choppy. You know, it, it doesn't sound very good. It's not fluent at all. So like in that movie, it's actually funny because Selena herself also didn't speak Spanish properly because she was Mexican American and she was born and raised here. So it's actually she fit the character quite quite well. Yeah. No, but yeah. that's a tearjerker. That's a tearjerker movie. That one right there. So yeah, like I watched it. Watched it in Lebanon? No, I watched it when I was a student here back in like 
2016. Wow, yeah, I watched that. That was trauma for me since the age of like I think 10. That's when I first saw it. And every time you watch it, it's always the same roller coaster. But like, and, and uh huh. Sorry, continue. No, so you know, before that, I think I don't even know how trauma I didn't look at social media, but I didn't know she was Yeah, because you said 2016. That's that's pretty recent. It's pretty recent. I think there might have there might have been a series coming out. That's why there was also a lot of publicity. Maybe. Not sure. Do you enjoy her music? I think I've only listened to it a few times. But I think yeah. I found out about her. Maybe because people were cosplaying with her or wearing her outfit for Halloween or something. Yeah. That's a big, big reason. Because I noticed a lot of black women that said that. Are there a lot of Latinos where you're, where you're at? You don't want to do what they do to you. Yeah, they're 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 not the same between us. I never really noticed. Yeah, because you don't you don't want to judge them like people judge you. You don't want to assume that people judge you. Yeah. Right. As a guy at the gym, for example, like he looks like you know, but I I never just go up and ask. So yeah. are you Latino? <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. That's why. I have, I have no intention of speaking to him, so it doesn't make any sense anyway. Yeah, it would make any sense. It'd be like, why is this random person asking if I'm Latino? <laughs> what difference is it going to make? Are you going to treat me differently? Yeah, that'd be very random for real. No, it, it, is, it is a funny thing because, like you said, it's like, how do you know? How do you perceive who's who? Because, I mean, obviously, I mean, the way, the way, Life is going maybe in a hundred years, everyone is mixed, you know, because people are, are mixing. Exactly. Well, and then it's uh, as well, like, mixed people. Like, how can you tell if, uh, like, sometimes they, they look uh, African American, but they're one of their parents is either Asian or um, Hispanic. Mm -hmm. So, I, I you can't just like assume like they're probably from both, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, that's something that. That um, my my partner at the time uh, a couple years ago it was an argument because um an argument another debate but sometimes they turn feisty but because um Austrian and German right because I mean it's just like wait so wait wait so they both speak German but it's two different countries two different people but then like how do you know but she knows like when when she hears someone talk something to you with dialect she would know she would know okay that person's Austrian. No, that person's German. That person's this and that. But like the blending of culture and and people, and like a hundred years time, it's all gonna be just a mixture, and you won't even know. You won't even know the difference. Yeah. No, it's just it's funny. a funny thing. It's a funny thing that I perceive. I like like I like to delve into things like that a lot. And it's like, wait, what? I wonder if that because sometimes I see it myself. Like, 
I'll be wanting to speak Spanish to a person, but I don't know if they're Hispanic. So I kind of just got to wait if I hear them talk. And once I hear them talk, I'll be like, okay, this person is or this person isn't. Yeah. Like I have a friend, for example, who is uh, half Lebanese, half Romanian. And um, so she's basically half Arab, half white. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, she looks Lebanese. But to Romanians, she looks Romanian. Mm. So, like, she has, like, the features, like, the colored eyes and the light skin tone and all that. And to, uh, to me, when I look at her, I feel like her, her facial structure and uh, her features up close, they don't scream uh, Romanian as much as they scream Japanese. Mm -hmm. Especially her style, like she's like really into a certain fashion sense, but like the needs to are super extravagant when it comes to fashion. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, I don't know. It, 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 a lot of people are mixed. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, is there a connection there between Lebanon and Romania, or is she just happened to be Romanian too? In Romania too? Or is there a connection, like a migration pattern between Lebanon and Romania? So Lebanese people uh, migrate everywhere. Okay. Because of the situation in Lebanon. Of course, of course. Causes political issues we've had. And, uh, it, it, it's it's too, too much to name. Like, I don't know how, how political you want to get into that. But that's why that's why they did it. Yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah. yeah also the enemy as well. So a lot of people in Lebanon get fed up when they live through really these traumatic periods of time and the mm -hmm. bad economy and the job crises. So they immigrate to other countries. Yeah. And that's why there's so many Lebanese people everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's in Romania and Brazil. And Brazil? Yeah, there's a very big uh, That's place far. Wow, Brazil. That's a trip. Yeah, I have friends that live in Brazil. Uh, but the friends are I think. I don't know. Mm. Um, they're just running up everywhere. Mm. It's hard to go somewhere. To the main person, even in Africa. There's so many of the people in Africa. They take advantage of the economy over there to really make this happen mm -hmm. so we're we're spread out everywhere and it's because i think there's i don't, I don't know how accurate it is because there's no specific there's there's no way to really tell the population of the Lebanese outside of Lebanon because nobody's really taking count yeah, there's no census. It's approximated that there's about 10 million Lebanese living outside of Lebanon, and they're spread out in many different countries. And the Lebanon itself has a population of about 4 million. So, but it's more than. Wow. Just... Jesus. Yeah, because. Uh huh. Uh huh. Not the entire population in Lebanon is Lebanese as well. We have so many Syrian and Palestinian refugees. Yep, of course. Yeah, because because I mean a country, Lebanon itself, it has to deal with normal things that a country has to deal with, right? Um, economically speaking, speaking, a lot of things they have to deal with. But on top of that, like you said, you have all the tragedies that have been happening. I think since I can even remember, 
before I can even remember. I mean, you talk about the whole Middle East, but also Lebanon. It's been either it's been affected directly or indirectly since what the seventies, sixties, easily. So like it's constantly unstable. So the fact that you were there and you still managed to get the education you got, and it's just it's it's admirable. Because, like, over here I, in America, I, I feel like we're kind of spoiled by, you know, the circumstances that we have, right? And and, yeah. and obviously, when you, when you even in an ideal world, you're still going to deal with mental issues. You're going to deal with other things, right? There's still going to be some kind of problems. You got to deal with some kind of interpersonal conflicts, right? Even when you, quote, unquote, have everything. But that's something that, as an American, I feel that we are kind of softened by that. And we don't appreciate that. And I mean, I see it as the son of, of immigrants, right? I see, I see kind of that. I remember my mother; she would always tell me when I wanted to skip school. She would always tell me, you know, that she was she could go to school, but she had to drop out of fourth grade to work the farms or whatever. So it's like, and she liked school, you know, but fourth grade that was it. That was the cutoff point for her, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with a lot of, like even I came back from the mall, it's only been a month. I came back the year I went to Romania and I came here. Mm-hmm. And um uh, the, the the one of the biggest reasons I decided it's time for me to leave again is because of the ongoing genocide that was happening in our neighboring country and yeah. the possibility of more war than the war that started coming at the borders in Lebanon to escalate and make it a lot less safe than it already is. And just like that, instability, and also like when I talk about my personal book, I feel like I can not really grow there anymore and I like work for myself now. Mm-hmm. So I decided to leave that environment. So this is something that's ongoing. It's been in state. Instability is still there so yeah and and we don't perceive it as americans we don't understand the fact that if you look at america for example all of these conflicts are happening basically they fit in in they fit basically inside of america so it's like if texas and florida it's kind of like that's how close all these countries are to each other and the conflicts are happening and that's how volatile it is that any situation could carry over and hit the next country and the next country, and it can just be like a tidal wave of, you know, violence. We don't think about it that way. We wouldn't understand, because America is so far open, right? It's so big and wide. But if you think of, if you put yeah. America over there, everything is so congested. Yeah. So for this particular situation that's happening in Palestine, mm-hmm. it's not exactly a conflict. It's not what should actually be called, which is a bit of a question. It's really what it is. There's no conflict. There's nothing to do about it. So, about things that don't really have a story the way they come away. So, the way in Western media that's been portrayed is just spreading misinformation to people in the West. So, there's no conflict. It's just mm-hmm. your erasing of ethnically cleansing of a nation of a certain type of people. Mm-hmm. So that's like the reality of the topic. Yeah, I mean, the flex I see from the right the it's the usual talking point it's the usual troll stuff, it's the usual thing like, oh, these people elected you know, who they elected 
and these people we, we don't have no involvement in there we left we left gaza so many years ago and we're not involved in it right that that's that's the argument that's always the argument and it's a flex of like okay so you're telling me that the prison guard doesn't sleep in the prison good for you congratulations like okay that's you really made a good point there and and essentially that's what it is essentially that's what we're seeing like you said and it's something that it's funny how oftentimes we always say how do these things happen we look at history i look at history a lot and we always say how do these things happen how did that happen like why did no one how did that happen and we see it we see it with yellow journalism with false news fake news we see it we see how this happens right it's happening in between before our rare eyes, right? And we're getting we're getting the coverage of it, what we can, you know, obviously there's blackouts, there's you know, like there's suppression even within the media itself, right? The quote unquote the real liberal media. We're seeing who's the real liberal now. And it, it's disgusting. It really is. And that's something that I don't know how deep you want to delve into that. Like I said, I don't I don't want to put nothing on anyone, you know, a political stance or anything like that, but it's something that obviously I agree with you on. That it is a genocide. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say that as a general point of view, is that, um, as I mentioned before, the Western media is just covering up the mistakes, not the mistakes, the things that the West wants to happen to the Middle East. They're just trying to cover up things so that they look good. And that's so the opposing part look like the real enemies even though they're not they're the victims and to make like the people they're partnering with look like they're the victims they're actually the ones all the chemicals they are i i guess i'm not going to go too deep into it just because it's very big stuff but generally that's the reality of what it is and um it's the same thing that happens a lot of the things in the Middle East as well. And then there are other Middle Eastern countries also try to stay quiet and like go ahead the terrorists because they have a lot of more money and they have ties with, the, with America. And they just try to keep those ties as opposed to actually looking out for their brothers and sisters in other countries and in the much more dire living situations. And it's, yeah. No, that's something that that's something that we could we could definitely, you know, gather our thoughts and delve into on, on another episode. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm not afraid of it. I don't shy away from it. <laughs> like um I said in my uh, my prologue, I did a lot of political research before. It just got to a point where it was it was very depressing and, and I say I say that knowingly, selfishly, because I'm over here depressed that I have to cover it. And people are living it. And I remember when I was uh when I was younger, I'm still young, <laughs> but when I was younger, I um I learned about this thing called sonic booms. Do you know what those are? No. So a sonic boom is when a fighter jet breaks the sound barrier. Essentially, it's like if a jet is flying and then it just like hits the it, it hits the really fast, it breaks the sound barrier. And I, I remember learning about how uh, routinely, IDF fighter jets would do that over Palestinian, you know, Palestinian homes, and they would make children urinate their bed or, you know, be traumatized by it and not be able to sleep. And obviously, whenever the sonic booms did happen, the kid would wake up and be traumatized and be afraid because you're breaking the sound barrier. It's, it's, you're breaking the sound barrier, right? And even when the jet didn't come, 
the fear of the jet coming that night would make the, ch- the kid traumatized. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think about as an American uh, kid, a spider in my room could ruin my night. If there's a spider in my room and I, and I try to kill it and I can't find it, I can't sleep that night. I'm over here thinking, where's the freaking spider? And then I'm, I remember reading about this and being like, imagine if it was, and now my trauma was, is the sonic boom going to happen today? Are they going to yeah. break the sound barrier today? And it's like these little things that are terror. This is terror. And I remember reading that as a kid and being like, wait, why isn't this covered? Like, why do I have to go out of my way to read about this and find this history out and it's not covered? Like, oh, okay, you don't value these people. Like, oh, okay, I got you. That's what it is. You don't you don't value it the same. You know. Something where um, real, I found out that the British mandate is the ones that they're, they're the whole reason that um, they went there in the first place. All yeah. the they, they basically said that the, the Jews can move there and that's their right. And they had this whole plan and it was carried out by the original Zionists. He decided to actually carry out that plan that the British uh, made up, and they specifically and strategically chose Palestine because it was that smack in the middle of the Middle East, and they knew that because it was right in the middle of the Middle East, it would create, uh, it would destabilize the Middle East and flip it to the world. And he used the destabilization and uh, opera and problems in the Middle East consistent for years, decades, lifetimes. It's still 75 years. Yeah. They, they, they knew what they were doing. Like, it was all planned out. It wasn't just Palestine and Palestinians were next to them. Like, yeah. just, it was because they could have been any, any other country with it. Yeah, it, it, it was proposed. It was proposed other spots, but no, they wanted that spot. And also, even in more modern times, I mean, you have Netanyahu bragging about the fact that they need Hamas and power as a counterweight to the West Bank because you cannot have a united Palestine. So they needed Gaza and West Bank to be separated, literally, right, literally down the middle, but also ideologically speaking, you know, and it's a counterweight. They never wanted to live in the East Palestine. Even though Palestinians at first, they have a problem with the Jews because 
they encountered a and they welcomed them as their well, they sheltered them when they were being persecuted as well. They sheltered them. I forget. Yeah. I think it was the seventies or the sixties. They were they were they were sheltering them as well. It might have been earlier than that, but I, I remember they were sheltering them from I think it was uh I don't forget who it was, but they were sheltering them as well. You know, in Gaza. And then one day they decided to take over and they got everyone out of their homes to kill their people, their women, to rape them, to do all sorts of things. So now it's somehow their birthright, even if they don't never step foot in that land. But somehow their birthright just because they're Jewish and they lived and were raised and born in San Francisco or New York or I don't know where, in Poland somewhere, just because they're Jewish, it's their birthright. Better luck. Yeah, yeah, they're settlers because we see it right now because we see a lot of um, casualties also in the West Bank. If you want to talk about what happened in October, okay, say that's your premise. I don't agree with it, but say that's your premise. Okay, the bad guy is in Gaza. Why is there stuff happening in the West Bank? That makes no sense. Yeah. If all the bad guys are in Gaza, why is stuff happening over here too? Because that's the bigger agenda. That's the bigger play. Yeah. You know, but that's a that's a conversation definitely. That's definitely something that um we can delve into <laughs> in, a, in a different yeah. uh, I, apologies that it took that turn. But um, yeah, I'm I'm um I try to be somewhat politically aware. I can't compare it to you because obviously you live you live these things personally. But I try to be you know somewhat aware, have some kind of you know acknowledgement of it. Yeah. Fortunately I haven't had to live live the thing as first hand as like like I'm not in the West Bank, thankfully. I'm in, I'm in Lebanon where, where it's it's usually it's it's safe it's safer, but but I'm I'm definitely not not at as risk as much as what's what's been happening is the south of Lebanon they literally wiped out an entire village. I think there so many people that died, even my own people died while we were fighting over Um, that was like. Three or four weeks ago. So, yeah, like, yeah, like the entire south is on fire somehow. There's lots, they're getting affected a lot. And it's still happening. Like, as we speak, there's probably firing happening. I don't know, airstrikes. I don't even know what they're called. Missiles, missiles, I have no idea. So, yeah. But because it's something that's been like happening since October and it it became so heavy while I was there, it's just like even I'm kind of tired. Just like always mentioning it and speaking. Yeah. I don't like to break. But we do have to talk about it and it is important and these people should not be forgotten either way. But it, yeah, you take a little break and you go back to actually showing it. Yeah, like like when you mentioned Lebanon, like that was my first thought because I, I'm I'm you know I, I'm I'm student of history, geopolitics, all these things. Like, but I didn't want to be like, oh Lebanon. So no, no I, I didn't want to do that either because that's not the premise here. But you know, it is something that you know, obviously it's 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 relatable. It's in that ball field over there. But it's funny how like like you said, this keeps on happening, but the news coverage can get turned down or turned up whenever they wanted to. You even have Ukraine, Zelensky, basically jumping up and down. Like, don't forget about me. I'm over here too. You know, he's visiting the states, and he's got. They're, they're trying to approve. I think more money to send to him, 
and it's just the news coverage. It can go either way. Like if they want to turn it down a little bit, they'll turn it down and people kind of forget about it. And if something else happens, they'll turn it back up. I don't know what's happening in your screen right now because that hasn't been my focus as much as where I the reason I was at. And I don't know if America was sending the money up. I don't follow everything. But there is no money, nothing being sent to the Palestinians. And there's no support or nothing. There's not even there's not even there's not even word support. Because even saying ceasefire, that's that's frowned upon. They, no, it's America chose not to ceasefire. They're still choosing not to ceasefire. Yeah, like even saying it, even if a senator says that, it's like how dare you even say it, right? Even if you yeah, if I'm not about to go and protest about it, like, yeah, it's but like I said, we, we can delve in that, into that definitely in another video. But we're going to leave it there. We're, we've been at it for two hours now. I took it up enough of your time. And I want to thank you and appreciate it for coming on the Persona podcast, being the first guest. And I want to thank you, Sabrina. All of you. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Talk soon. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.